finally we have returned. Yes, it's an all new episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's show, we're going to be joined by some familiar faces. We're going to be joined by our co-host, which will be Wesley Perkins, Jonas Clark, and Benjamin Bornstein. It's been quite some time since we've had a live stream or, or a podcast because of what's been happening, you know, with this quarantine life. <laughs> we've been busy just staying at home, being healthy, and just enjoying the, the new normal that is everyday life. So how are you guys doing right now? Surviving. Wesley? Yep. Yeah, just making it work, enjoying time with family. I mean, it's uh, it's the one plus of, of a really terrible situation is that, you know, I've been able to spend more time with my kids than I would have ever hoped to at this time of year. So, um, you know, there's always a, a positive that comes out of a horrible negative, and, um, you know, that's, that's the one positive. True that, man. And uh, I know Jonas. I've been seeing a lot of Jonas lately, so... I know Jonas is doing good. He's just out there living life. Out there living life where? Locked in isolation <laughs> in my apartment? If it wasn't yep. for my Xbox, I would have lost my mind weeks ago. Yeah, man. But you all can't see. <laughs> but if you look at Jonas's wall, he has a superimposed image of him on an actual Browns player. Do you see that? You would immediately be the best Browns player. That's hey now. <laughs> we're we're pretty great now, but that's a that's a, a gift from a couple of years ago from a baby brother. Custom custom job he did there. So yeah, that's awesome. He, he yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna have to have Jonas's brother like make our own uh, our own cards with our own respective teams and then superimpose our faces on on our favorite player's body, you know. So that'd be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. You know, I can only imagine what Ben's uh playing card would look like or his sports card, you know. It would not be good. <laughs> can, I want to, but I want Ben's head like really tiny, like you know, like a shrunken head. <laughs> I, guys, I think we should just go out and go full tilt and say, "Hey, it's all got to be like a WWE wrestler body. We all got to pick one WWE oh, person, and make our own, make our own wrestler say. names, our own wrestler names, and then come up with our own personas, and then make cards off of that. I can get back yeah. behind that, dude. I'm down with that. Yep. I'm down. Let's do this. Yeah. What are y'all drinking today? I'm drinking Jeez. tea. Cherry Coke. Ooh, it, cherry Coke. Is it, is it just tea there? Or you got a little something stronger in there, Joe? We're starting off no, pretty, pretty good. I got tea in here because I was outside <laughs> in the sun and I was spraying the yard for bugs and pulling weeds and doing, you know, yard work and stuff, trying to keep busy. So it's just tea, unfortunately. I do got some uh, Modelo waiting for me in the fridge, though, after I'm done with this. So I got that to look forward to. There you go. That's nice. the good stuff. That's nice. Yeah, Modelo Negro, had... dude. Modelo Negro, you got to do it, man. Well, I haven't had that one. You even stepped it up a little bit there. It's oh, not just Modelo. The... Yeah, that's Modelo. Yeah. That's next, no, that's next no, level right the, there. The Negro is top shelf. That's, yes, that's sir. Good stuff. Yes, sir. Man after my own heart. Well, we're here because we're going to go ahead and talk about San Antonio Spurs news and some of the things that kind of broke yesterday. I mean, for a long time, we haven't had any news, and then all of a sudden... It's just hitting you one right after the other, you know? So we'll go ahead and dive in here, and we'll kind of touch base first on that R.C. Buford, you know, uh, conference call that he had, and what, you know, kind of like, what do you think, and what are your thoughts about about the conference call that R.C. Buford had with, and like, so let me put it like this, it was a very short list of people that were invited into that conference call, and our friend, uh, Jeff Garcia was one of the the few who was privy to this video conference call. 
but R.C. Buford came out and, you know, he kind of said some things. And one of the things that stood out at me was he said that the NBA has all intents to, to continue out the rest of the season. And I don't know what that actually entails. How are you going to finish out the rest of the season? Because in order to get everybody in game shape and get them, get them ready to come out and play basketball again, you have to at least minimum 21 to 22 days has to be set aside for everybody to kind of come back, practice again, start getting in some type of shape and get ready to go and play either the remainder of the games or are you just going to have the playoffs? I mean, how are we going to proceed? To me, it was kind of like a cryptic message. Yes, they intend to return, but what do you think is going to be the normal once they return? We'll start with you, Ben. What do you think? I don't. I honestly don't think this season gets a conclusion. I think things will get moved back. The draft may get moved back, but if they decide, if they decide early enough that hey, we're not going to finish the season, there's no, it's going to be a logistical nightmare. We go, we go a season without a championship, whatever it is. So be it. And then you, you, you try and get the rest your your 20 your 2020 2021 season on the right track everything hopefully will be trending the right way at that point and you can you can get your rookies in maybe you don't have summer league you probably don't have summer league unless you can really control that environment and you you kind of make it like an orlando environment where it was you know it's not open to the public you have to be a media member you have to have uh, you have to be a scout to get in and it's it's close it's tight there's not many people but i don't i just don't see how this season finishes and you know rc buford surely has to say you know we're trying we're trying to bring the proper end to this season but i don't think we're going to get one yeah so i i can understand that part you want to have the player's safety in mind first and to me it just doesn't make any sense i mean if you're gonna finish out any type of what inkling of of the nba season maybe it should just be a playoffs you know and just take the top 18 from the east and from the west and let them just have at it and crown a champion you know and try to get it done as quickly as possible but trying to come back and finish the remainder of the season then go and just even try to play the playoffs you know i mean i don't know uh my gut kind of tells me that they have the intentions of finishing the season but at the end of the day I'm I'm with you, Ben. I don't really know if that'll really come to fruition. You know, we'll have to see how things pan out with the reopening of the nation, you know, and see how, how this stuff turns out. And hopefully it, it it's for the best. You know, I don't want to see the Rona going <laughs> spike up again, you know. So hopefully everybody can stay safe out there. But what are, what are your thoughts, Wesley? Well, I thought he was kind of, you know, nondescript uh, in some ways, which kind of tells us that I think that he – he really doesn't know. Um, and, you know, I think there's been kind of this national speculation for a little while that somehow there's a decision that's already been made. I thought RC's comments was basically telling us all that he knows about as much as, as we all know, that there's discussions going on, but there, there's nothing finite um, as to where, what and when and how anything could continue or if it even is going to continue. He'd, he said there that, you know, obviously there was – you know, a bunch of different scenarios being drawn up, but it would be premature to talk about any of them. Um, you know, the one thing that I really got from it was, you know, his take when he said, you know, kind of to your point, Joe, when he said, you know, if let's say Manu Ginobili was playing and he needed to play and they put the season together to start, you know, in June 
Are you going to get Manu Ginobili out there to play like right now? Is he going to be ready? Is his body ready? Um, and he talked a lot about how fortunately most of the team was in the market. They were around and they were doing a good job with strength, strength trainers through virtual stuff and even some garage visits and stuff of that kind. But, you know, there's no substitute. We know this for uh, game, sh- game shape and uh, getting into game shape. And I, I, that's my concern here is and even for the NFL if you, and college football, if we're talking legitimately over the next couple of couple of, uh, uh, you know, months is just how do you get the most physical games, the, the games that are going to be, you know, contact sports, so to speak, up and running when there hasn't really been time to prepare for that. And so. Um, I kind of lean towards what, what Ben is saying. I think that they probably will not finish the season. Um, and, you know, they could they have a playoff? Sure, they might. But at some point, you get so close to the next start of the season. And, yes, there's been talk even of, you know, stretching that back and finishing next year's playoffs late. But, you know, at some point, there has to be some normalcy. And um, I, I hope that maybe the, the better minds just agree. And I thought RC did a good job with that. He just gave some some – um, pretty straightforward answers about what he does know and uh, about what his players were were up to as uh, as they were going forward and that the front office was still doing their job. They were doing due diligence to get ready for this draft and uh, and still preparing as if they might still play but are really prepared for anything. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get Jonas's take here. Jonas, what were your thoughts uh, on this video conference call and, and R.C. Buford's comments? Well, on it overall, Joe, I think that the big thing is – that they, if there is any attempt to try to finish the season and, and name a champion, it automatically comes with an asterisk on it then. Because you can't shorten the end of a sports season. You can change, and you can take any, way, any amount of games you want to from the beginning of a sports season. But as I've discussed before, to you, you go into a season overall with an with a number a set number of games that you have to qualify your team for the postseason and an opportunity to win a championship uh, you know therefore how you can strategize when you rest your players what games you take hard and what ones you don't um th- over the course of that season and popovich is one of those players that really are one of those coaches that kind of leads that leads that march right in terms of resting his star players and getting ready for the playoffs and i and as i as we talked about before during the regular season i always kind of had this inkling that he was being so experimental with the rotations through december through january even back in november because he knew that all he had to do was get this team to buckle down like he did last year and make that postseason push the Spurs went on a nine-game winning streak last year to make the playoffs, and they weren't technically eliminated yet this year. Uh, you know, playoff streak aside, I just think that to give any, and not just it's not just a Spurs thing. This is an NBA thing. There were there were the one through eight were not determined yet on, on in the Eastern Conference and on the Western Conference. You can't just go out there and say, oh well. We we decided to end the end the sport here. We're gonna give you guys all 21 days to get healthy, in shape. Everything. There's just so many factors that put an asterisk on the champion that would be. Yeah, it, it's it's useless. I'm with you guys, Wesley. Ben, go ahead. Just stop this season. Prepare for 2021 and just go ahead and get that one on right off on the right track. 
Yeah. And another thing that, you know, kind of, I guess the positive that we can take away from the video conference call was uh, RC also said that they had made every effort to take care of the Spurs employees uh, throughout the remainder of the season, which is, you know, big of them. You know, of course, I mean, the you can't have the game experience without the people working there, you know, with the ushers and everybody else doing all of what they do behind the scenes to give you a great overall, you know, experience and keep everything moving along, you know. So it's it's great to hear some of that. You know, they didn't expressly uh, put it out there on social media, maybe as much as everybody had hoped. But it was, you know, nonetheless, it was good to hear that they have taken care of those employees because the last thing you want to see is anybody, you know, being furloughed and not having any type of income in these trying times that we're living in right now. So, you know, kudos to the Spurs organization and them, you know, keeping the people moving on, you know, and keeping them fed and having some money in their pockets, you know, so good, good on them. But we're going to go ahead and transition here. And we're going to talk about something else that kind of like took social media by storm and took everybody by surprise yesterday. Uh, we had this news come through, breaking news yesterday, that the Spurs uh, were actually going to be selling a minority stake in the organization. Again, I kind of saw this through uh, Jeff Garcia out there on Twitter. So make sure you go and follow our good friend Jeff Garcia. Uh, he's over at News 4 and he does a great, great things out there as far as covering the, the San Antonio Spurs. So make sure you go and follow him. But is this something to worry about? Because first we had the San Antonio Spurs or Spurs Sports and Entertainment, should I say. They went ahead and sold the Stars, the WNBA team they had. Now they are the Aces and they moved to, to Vegas. Now this season, the San Antonio Spurs or Spurs Sports and Entertainment they go ahead and sell the rampage. They're going to Vegas. Now they're selling a minority uh, stake in the in the organization. So I'm like, okay. I mean, really, <laughs> at the end of the day, why are you doing this? What's what's going on behind the scenes? Is it there? Is there something that we should keep an eye on? I know a lot of Spurs fans. The talk was, oh, the team's gonna be sold. They're gonna move. And I'm like, I it would the this the city would be devastated if that happened. But realistically, I don't know if that's something we should be worried about right now. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with you, Wesley. What's your take on this? It's much to do about nothing, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think Jeff obviously did a great job. And Jeff is, it, you know, it, you know, Joe, you're right. Jeff is a really great follow, um, smart guy, and and uh, he he's got his pulse, the pulse of, of so many different sports and. Um, particularly here in, in San Antonio with, with what he does in his, uh, own media and also for the TV that he does. But, uh, I, you know, give him kudos for that. But I, I just think that a lot of this just, you have to remember the Spurs sports entertainment is going to do things that are profitable for the city and then so profitable for the Spurs. And if you look at it, cause the rampage, as much as I like rampage, you know, I was a part of numerous performances there with groups and, and musical groups that we'd go been to numerous games. You love minor league hockey, but it wasn't profitable. It wasn't making the kind of money that it needed to. Um, the, the Silver Stars were not bringing in crowds. They were not making money. And, you know, Spurs Sports and Entertainment is going to be about just that. We've we've heard that for years, that the Spurs Sports and Entertainment is always going to do things that benefit the Spurs and their, and their brand in particular. And if it's not, then it doesn't need to stay around. If Vegas feels like that's a better opportunity for them because they just now got their first big sports franchise in the Raiders 
you know, it gives them a little bit more clout as a sports town, I, you know, more power to it. But I just think that fans need to, to get back from that diving board, stop jumping off. It's not a big deal. You know, this happens all the time. You know, we don't see just one owner in, in a franchise very often. There's always minority owners. In fact, the Spurs already have that to some extent. Um, and I, I just think that this isn't one of those times where you're going to see this, the Spurs go vacate. That was going to happen, and it was very close to happening back in the 90s. Um, it was it was almost a done deal to a group to take them to the Midwest, and it probably would have been the St. Louis Spurs at the time. But the thing is, is that when when you look at what's going on right now, I think just people they tend to think, well, the Spurs had a bad year this year, you know, competitively. That means all oh, that they're you know there's dis- disjointedness in the front office, the ownership group. They're all going to be moving. We see these other pieces move on, and everybody starts to panic. And I just feel like everybody needs to pump the brakes a bit. Um, the the Holt family is San Antonio through and through. Um, the San, city of San Antonio and the, and the powers that be will never let this franchise, mark my words, they will never let this franchise go to another city. Yeah, well, we'll go ahead and get Jonas's take next. Jonas, I mean, what do you think? Much to do about nothing or is something we need to keep an eye on? I mean, I, I would say mostly at the moment it's much to do about nothing, but it is a sign that... Um, could lead more to more down the road. Um, you know, anytime you bring and, and any anytime you bring more cooks in the kitchen, right, with another agenda as to how far they want to push things, and they feel that they have their money invested into it, that they have a little bit of a say, and that their voice should be heard. Um, depending on where that voice is coming from, and and uh, what their background is, and what their overall intentions are, uh, you know, you could be putting a rotten apple. In among um, in a in a bucket of apples that honestly isn't too bad right now, but how does that how does that influence impact at all? That's something to monitor the situation, but it's I don't think it's anything to be frightened of at this moment. Of course, if you look at the last handful of years for Spurs Sports and Entertainment, it does look pretty scary. And then of course with the rampage leaving, you have the conversation of SAFC and how long they're going to be around. Again, another Spurs Sports and Entertainment owned product. Um, it's just one of, it's a situation of, like you and I were talking about the other day, Joe, um, just you, you know, in, in conversation, uh, you know, we were talking about what this means for the city and uh, is it something to be really terrified of? And I, I just really don't think so. Um, because you can't move this franchise, but, uh, to, to resum it up, it could be a bad apple joining in this bucket of apples, how that's going to impact it all. Uh, we don't know yet. Yeah. And Ben, give us your take. Is, is this going to be a, a Seattle thing all over again? (laughs) No. Uh, unlike Seattle, people care about basketball in San Antonio, um, and they, they care about it before it leaves. Sorry, Seattle fans. Y'all should have done a little more. No offense, but y'all should have done a little more. And also, Oklahoma City is also great for uh, geographic reasons. But um, the, the Spurs ain't moving. The Peter Holt has said that they are 100% committed to this city. They're not leaving. Again, it's a minority owner, which means they don't have enough say to make anything happen now. Sure, they can sow some seeds maybe they sow discontent but you know if it's the spurs selling off a stake of the team i don't see them selling it to someone like that they i mean 
you you do get to choose who you sell it to. So I think that plays a part in it as well. And you know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with kind of seeing it from both sides. Where you know, ah, it's San Antonio, nothing's going to happen. But also, you know, like Jonas said, you know, something to monitor. Just keep an eye on if if things start to get weird or if you know you start things that don't sound or look right, then you can kind of go back and say that might have been the moment. But for the most part, I think San Antonio's fine. Spurs aren't going anywhere. The last, the only, the only moves they're going to make are hopefully in free agency in the draft. Hopefully, but if they sell the San Antonio FC uh, soccer club, then that might raise an eyebrow with me and be like, "Hmm, something's amiss here," you know. But until that happens, I'm just going to be with you know with you guys. You know, okay, much to do about nothing. Uh, well, just something to keep an eye on for sure. But you know, really not worried at the end of the day. So let me go ahead and read some of the comments that we got here. Uh, we had Tim, Tim Rodriguez. He goes, hey, Joe, this is the end for the Spurs in San Antonio. They are going to Vegas. Man, this is ass. No, I told him I don't really don't think that <laughs> that on, will man. happen, you know. And then uh, Doris Campano Bosco, she says, all San Antonio, Texas teams to Vegas on my way. She's on her way to Vegas. <laughs> so Doris was the biggest Stars fan I knew. You know, she was always at the games, always supporting the team. And it was disheartening, you know, once they sold the team to Vegas and now they're the Aces and they're doing quite well over there. So Doris is still supporting They've the team. They've got a sick team. Yeah, they do, man. And it's a shame, you know, you wish that would have happened while they were here in San Antonio to kind of fill the arena up a little more. It was one of the best values in sports here in, in San Antonio because you could buy a seat for like 10 bucks. You'd be sitting in the lower bowl and you would get, you know, entertained. It, it was a great time. I took my daughter... Uh, a couple times there, and we had fun. Uh, Tim Rodriguez. Is it also, not hot Vegas in San Antonio? Like a, Why would people not want to go inside and watch a basketball game? Right. You got well, me, doesn't man. Doesn't Vegas have like a, a slot machine on each seat that they can <laughs> play while they're on? Come on. It's on. It's on the back of each seat. You just you're just doing the slot machine the entire you time. You can probably make uh, bets in the, the arena. Poker seat. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Tim Rodriguez says we need to support our team. It's our fault. Uh, he says, nobody wants to see the Silver Stars and Rampage, and they left us because of that. He's saying that it's a lack of the fans going out and, and supporting the team by purchasing tickets and going in there and being able to see a game firsthand. But the problem is, and we kind of talked about this with our good friend Rudy Campos Jr., who's a host of Sweep the League. The other day, me and Jonas and Rudy, uh, we kind of had a discussion, and we we're talking about how at times it seems like the Spurs price everything a little bit too high you know the tickets are, are priced a certain way and it's like you're by you pricing them that way you're only tailoring to a certain de demographic you know you kind of forget that the other side of your fan base might not have 60 or 80 bucks to go and see a, a really good game in the nosebleed i mean i think at, at times they kind of overprice their tickets a little bit they should bring it down a little bit more if they want to have people come out and support them and, and and force, you know, with the numbers that they're looking for to fill the seats. Because I went to a couple games this season, and I got to be honest, you know, the arena was pretty empty. And that has to, to do a lot with the current record of the team and how well they were performing. You know, so people only want to go out and spend spend money on tickets if the team's performing well. You know, they don't want to go see a team lose, per se. So I get it, you know. But I think at the end of the day, there's some things that they could do to make it more attractive to to bring in the other demographic, the other fans, and not just cater to one 
certain demographic. You know, that's all, that's what I'm saying at the end of the day. So moving on here, let's go ahead and talk about this Spurs coffee gang. Uh, this was a video that was released earlier this morning uh, on the San Antonio Spurs Twitter page. And they were showing, you know, the, the coffee gang videos that they do with uh, Patty Mills, Do Boris Dial, with Manu Ginobili and Tiago Splitter. Always fun to see these guys get together. It's entertaining because they're just out there having a good time. And, and truly, at the end of the day, these guys really are friends. They hang out and they go places, you know, and it, it was fun listening to some of their little, you know, the stories that they share with us uh, behind the scenes, things that happen, you know, and they still call Boris Dial Bobo. And they were showing the video where they were all on a hot dog, you know, kind of like the Miami Heat when they were on the banana boat. But they said Boris only had a hot dog float and it was too small. So they could only fit like two of them on there. And they were called the <laughs> the Wiener Boat Boys. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of comical. That was funny. But I don't know if you guys got to uh, check out the video, but I thought it was entertaining. It was funny. I, I want to see more of that interaction with these guys. I think they got something here. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Ben. I mean, what did you think? Get a chance to watch the one from this there morning. There we but, are. Uh, I got you back now. I lost you for no, for for a minute or two. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Well, anyway, as you were stating, I said, "What did you think about <laughs> the Boris DL, Patty Mills, Manu Ginobili, and Tiago Splitter?" Uh, you know, coffee gang thing because we didn't get to hear you. Okay, so basically, uh, I didn't get to watch the one from this morning, and I actually watched the one from two weeks ago with uh, with Drew K Keldon and Bryn. Thought it was great, hilarious, good content. When it comes down to it, Wiener Boat Boys greater than Banana Boat Boys, always and forever. Twenty fourteen rings we ride. There you go. What about you, Wesley? I I don't know if you caught it or not, but it was it was really funny. Yeah, I was. Uh... I was sawing boards as I was listening to it this morning. I was, you know, putting putting wood on the deck there, and uh, um, I, you know, it just reminds me of the the kind of players that we get here in this town, and we need to be very grateful for because, you know, like like Ben alluded to, you know, the you had the group last week, and you had you know these guys this week, and of course, you know, getting to hear Manu, get, you know, being called, you know, Gramps and uh, you know Bobo, obviously, and you know, you've got. Just the great idea of calling it, you know, you know, obviously the coffee gang, and you know, that that's just it, that just shows you it's genuine. You know, how many how many times do we see that players go off and they they get done with the season and they they jump out to Lord knows where, all across the country, all across the world, really. Uh, and yet, if you really stop and think about it, these guys still hang out with one another. Many of them still live around here, uh, and they still show a vested interest in each other and. And it's not the winning. They don't talk about the titles and that kind of stuff. They talk about, you know, obviously the memories that they've had. And, and it, that stuff is real. I mean, I, I think that's what the biggest takeaway from from that that podcast was is just that it, they're real. They're not they're not faking. They're not there, you know, making up stuff and just trying to do something kind of corny because that's who they are. They're, those are 
those are real guys that really care about each other and, and uh, have a great camaraderie. So, you know, I took I took a really good liking to that. I I love the uh, the wiener boat <laughs> uh, story. It was pretty awesome. So I have yeah, the video playing cool. as you're talking about it, and it shows the wiener boat here on, on the live stream. So that's funny, dude. Cool. What about you, Jonas? I don't know if you get to to check it out, the Coffee Gang video, but it was funny, dude. I did. And uh, like Ben, I actually saw last week's um, right after it came out. And I'll tell you, Ben, this one goes a lot better than last week's. Last week's felt a little awkward when you had, uh, I think Keldon felt shy at times. And um, I think we, I'm, I'm okay in saying Bryn sort of seems like he has a wet blanket personality anyway. And that kind of, I kind of felt that um, in their video. Uh, it, I don't know what time they recorded it. So it might have been early and, and no offense to them if they were on their first cup of coffee because it takes me about two or three to get started. Um, but it was a lot more interesting to hear uh, this week's stories, of course. Um, it is the OG coffee gang. And I think that that's something, Wesley, that really stood out to me too was just the genuine relationship uh, that they have. And when you compare it to the first episode last week, um, the the aspect of genuine really stands out because uh, it feels like now Patty's just trying to bring some semblance of family, some semblance of culture into today's Spurs rotation where that one just kind of happened organically, right? With Boris, Tiago, and Manu, like that was just, uh, it just happened. And now it almost seems like a lot of other Spurs traditions, it kind of seems forced at the moment. Um, but it was really cool to listen to um, the OG Coffee Gang talking about it all today. And uh, I mean, the, the wiener boat is funny, but my favorite was uh, part of it all was the conversation about the dunk contest that they had going amongst <laughs> yeah. each other. Um, where you had, you know, 40 year old Manu putting up dunks and it's almost like questioning why. And, and then, you know, you get into the, the actual behind the scenes element and he had a competition going on with Boris to to see who could put dunks up there and then the uh you know uh obviously Thiago has height and Manu has athleticism and Boris has height and Manu asked the question at one point uh if Patty had ever dunked in a basketball game um and Patty said uh no but he has dunked before and in basketball practice um so that they said that that qualifies but not quite as much so that was my favorite story um just because Again, like you can kind of see in today's Spurs where it almost feels like they're not having fun out on the court, um, where winning in itself is a task. And you compare it to a championship roster and how their mind is on the last thing almost seems to be winning because they know they're going to go out and they have the talent level to win, that they're just having fun, so much fun in game, whether they're commenting on uh, you know boboing and how he would just daydream <laughs> in the middle of a game. And, and just seem like he's out in the middle of nowhere and, and you're having dunk contests. Like uh, winning is a culture in and of itself. Winning makes everything easier, even to fill the seats in the arena, like you alluded to earlier, Joe. Um, but I think that that also makes this coffee gang, the original one, really special to see. And I'm glad that they had that in the preview for next week that we're going to get more of this group of four as opposed to the if you will, G League special that we got in week one. Yeah. So let me go ahead and uh, give a quick shout out to some of the people who are who are watching with us right now. I'm going to go ahead and transition here so we can 
see some of their comments on the screen. But, you know, we had Doris who says, since Becky retired, ticket sales just went down. Says She says, our international players still hang out. Coffee break. <laughs> and Tony Ornalis, this guy, he's crazy, man. He puts, majority stake is still safe. He goes, they are just selling the minority stake. Just looking for a more minority person to buy the stake. That's all. Why is everything about race? He's just he's just kidding. He put a finally smiley face emoji on there. Ha ha ha. Tony Ornalis, you made a funny. Uh, Frank Ramirez puts, hey, Joe, long time no see. What's up, Frank? Frank's uh, one of our biggest listeners. He's been always listening to us. I believe he's over in uh, Cali right now. So thanks for tuning in and watching the show and listening to us. Greatly appreciate it. So now we're going to go ahead and transition to some prospect talk. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about, let's let's go ahead and just right off the bat, get it out of the way. Let's talk about Wesley's dude over here and Ben's guy, Obi Toppin. Everybody's always talking about Obi Toppin. He's, he's suspected right now to go number one. You know, at least he's going to be, if he doesn't go number one, I mean, at least maybe top three. You know, he's going to be in the conversation there. Uh, but he is in the conversation right now for one of the the few guys out there who's suspected to be the number one pick in the overall draft. So the thing is, why? Tell us why, Ben. Yeah, I have to tell you why. He's six nine. He's two twenty. He can guard multiple positions. He shoots the ball really well. He's a threat and pick and roll, threat and pick and pop. He defends well. He is. He is your wing. He is your prototypical wing player that can produce immediately for you. He is, you know, he's on the older side. He, he not only spent a few years at Dayton, but he also spent an extra year in post-grad high school. So when he got to college, he was actually a year older. Um, so, you know, he has that maturity about him as well, but he's just a very good player. And it also helps that this is a very weak draft class. And I, I think I think he'll end up being top five because I see I see Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman as top three in some order. A lot of people have Anthony Edwards as the top pick. I don't. I but don't is Lamelo really that good? Toppin. Uh, it remains to be seen. He he's six seven. He is a really good passer. He can shoot the ball. He's a better shooter than Lonzo, but he was also playing in the league. He got a ton of minutes. Uh, he basically got to be the guy on that team, uh, but he still has maturity issues and he does not care to play defense at all. So despite having, you know, basically despite having the tangibles to be able to be a great player, he doesn't have the intangibles to do so, or he doesn't care to gain those intangibles, whatever you want to do. I mean, if you've watched any sort of, you know, triple B content, you know exactly what you're dealing with. And it, it might have gotten a little better playing in Australia, but I don't know by how much because he ended up, I think he and a business partner ended up buying the team. So they he's an owner and a player on the team. And, that, I, you know, to me, that just wouldn't rub me right as a player, as a teammate. So I, I don't know what that whole deal is, but it, he's it's very weird. It's I, I would feel very uncomfortable drafting LaMelo Ball. I don't care what pick you have. You know, I, Granted, at some point you're going to have to draft him somewhere in the top 10 out of pure value because you think you have major upside there. But to me, he is possibly one of the most volatile and one of the scariest draft picks in this class. You know, one of our, li- our viewers right now is watching us on, on Periscope on Twitter. 
and he's asking about Denny. I, I can't even pronounce his last name. I don't even want to try. Oh, Denny Abdija. Abdija, yeah. My boy from Israel. Heck yes. Isn't he projected to be tribe, one of the top five, right? Uh, he's all over the place. Uh, he's been mocked. And granted, I'm looking at mock drafts every week, like three or four times a week. And some of them are changing. Some of them are not because you there's no workout information right now. And there's no combine scheduled. So, you you know, you can't get you can't get tangible physical measurements. You can't get speed measurements, any of that stuff. You know, you don't have that information. So it's hard to it's hard to make a mock draft without all of that information, which is one reason why ESPN is surprisingly going to become one of the more reliable ones, even though I, I don't particularly like how they do some of their drafts. I think they, they like a lot of other people who make mock drafts, don't always make their mock drafts with team needs in mind. I think they just say, oh, well, he's you know 11 on our big board, so he's going to go 11 on our mock draft, or you know we're going to move him a spot or two up or down because it's, it's glaring that he's not a team need for this team. But he's also not... He's also not really a great fit for this team either. So, but you know, they, I don't think they take into account all of those things right now. And you know, they have a team of dudes who go out there. They're they're scouting guys over in Europe. They're scouting guys all over the world. And you know, and I I know that the only reason I know they're doing it is because they're tweeting videos all the time. Oh, I look at me. I'm out here in you know BFE Europe scouting a guy, and I'm taking video of him practicing shots. And I've taken a you know a minute of him in actual game time, and so like they're the, you know they're the only people who get to see him live and tell us about it. You know, whereas NBA teams they have their scouts, but obviously those scouts aren't going to tell us what they see. They don't want to let people know what they're thinking. So it's it's hard to say. But Avdija is anywhere in the top five to top ten range on most of the mock drafts that I've seen. Yeah, I've I've kind of seen him. And some mock drafts go in the top five, and then as you stated, it it goes in the top ten. I mean, all over the place. I, there's really no telling exactly what's going to happen, you know, because it is the NBA draft. Anything can happen. But as I look here, and it it says, you know, maybe the number one overall pick, we have Obi Toppin now. He's going to be maybe in the top five, as you stated. Uh, it shows that Golden State and some of the, the, the mock drafts out there, they're going to draft Anthony Edwards. Uh, and Cleveland with the second is going to probably get Denny Avija. And then you have Minnesota with LaMelo Ball. And number four, OB Toppin, he's going to be picked by the Atlanta Hawks. And some some even have, you know, the Detroit Pistons picking James Wiseman. The New York Knicks are going to pick Tyrese Halliburton, which we're going to talk about next. The Bulls, Isaac Okoro. The Hornets are going to pick Ankenya Anganwu. And number 10, the oh, number nine, the Washington Wizards. Killian Hayes in 10, Cole Anthony is going to be selected by the Phoenix Suns, hey, supposedly. Joe, let, me, let me point this out. And Okay, I am – the Spurs are very boring when it comes to drafts. We know this. <laughs> it is never – we always say the same thing. We always say, man, if they want to move up, this is yada, yada, yada. But let me tell you what. There is a little bit of, of a conspiracy out there, and it's nothing more than rumor – that Golden State wants to trade out of the proverbial nobody has that pick yet anyway to move move back. And the reasoning being, and this was what was said, and I, I don't buy this 100%, but the reasoning saying that they would need somebody to plug and play right now 
you know, they don't necessarily need somebody who has a superstar mentality. They don't need that. They need somebody that's that's ready. And this this draft doesn't have a lot of just superstars anyway. So you can get a good value, you know, somebody who's going to be plug and play anywhere in that top ten. I don't know that you need to go that far, but if the Spurs were ever going to move up, this would be the year to do it because I'm telling you right now, you can hear the AT&T Center chanting, OB, OB, OB. I'm telling you, listen to me. This this guy, Ben said it. He can play and he can he can play at any position. He can guard multiple positions. He can shoot the leather off the ball. But he's he's a he's a gifted athlete who has that spur type of mentality. He's a go getter. He's not going to. He would bring Lob City to San Antonio because a guy can oh, jump. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine if if you got that kind of elite talent, elite length, and elite uh, athleticism? With a with a Lonnie Walker, with a DJ, with a you know these guys who are, are with Jonas's boy block a portal, block a portal with Kelvin. <laughs> I mean, you My would man. have a Spurs winning team for a long time. And I will say this: if if he does get taken earlier, you know it'll be tears. But you know I don't expect them to get him. I I just I think that the Spurs are going to be boring. Whatever pick they are in, they're going to pick at that pick, and they're going to find somebody that's going to contribute for them. But I just got it's it's my biggest Christmas wish list. Please, Spurs, go get Obi Toppin. Go what get him. A, what about you, Jonas? You still there, crossing your fingers, hoping for Obi Toppin to fall to the Spurs at the, maybe the tenth or eleventh pick. Look, I, I I honestly don't follow anything going into the draft process. Why? Because. I, I don't have the patience for all of college basketball. A, B, it, we all have don't our areas. Don't you do that? We all have our areas, and that's I just know that's not my area. I I'm which which is why I don't take on college basketball. Right? I will I will sit there and I will watch G League action all day because I'm able but to. College basketball is the pure game, Jonas. But college and and. It, it, Sure, but it's a sure. diff- it's a different sport entirely. And even those, I mean, if we want to talk about a guy outshining on a G League roster, how easy is it for some guys to just overshine on a on a college basketball roster? Um, especially when you go up against you know. And, and and I love like there's a lot of drama this last college basketball season with how many times that number one seed changed hands. But we also talk about the mediocrity then that 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 introduces because there was no one team did. That was by and large better than anybody else to get really excited for, and there's not a whole lot of talent by and large to get really excited for, which is why we're talking about a, a year where Golden State has the number one overall pick, and Wesley, you know, you're saying that you're reading that they might trade out of that. Why, when you already have Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and you're going to just add it, and and uh, Andrew Wiggins, you're just going to add another, um, you know, top talent to that at the number one overall. Um, it's it's more about what can what can we do and what what do, and when I approach this draft, it's more or less what I want to see and what I don't want to see happen for the Spurs. Obviously, guys, we don't need another guard. Like serious. Oh come on, you know they like looking at undersized guards, Jonas. Ugh. Right, but but we can, but what I'm saying is we can be honest, right? We don't I don't I don't feel that we need another guard. I also don't feel really excited about another six nine two twenty product. When you've got you look up and down the roster and you've got your Chemezi at six nine two uh, two twenty, you've got Trey Lyles at six nine what two thirty something. 
Um, Rudy Gay still on the roster. I wouldn't have a problem letting Shemezi go for Obi. I wouldn't be hurt one bit. Obi, Obi, Obi. It's happening. (laughs) You're still going to have to deal with the fact that they're probably going to go sit in Austin for a year. Or two. At least a year. And there's our and, and there's enough coming out of Austin that should be coming out of Austin and joining the San Antonio roster um, with big contract implications. You want to, I mean, uh, Chemezi, his contract isn't guaranteed this year. Uh, none, the money doesn't start to become guaranteed until, until somewhere mid July, and then his full contract does become guaranteed on like October 15th. But up until then, we can cut Chemezi for no loss. None of it is guaranteed. Um, Drew Eubanks, he's unrestricted right now. What do you want to do oh, with man. him? He's been in the system for two years. He was uh, rated the worst player in the NBA on NBA 2K20. <laughs> the, okay, the, the day that the day that 2K ratings ha- start affecting how I build an NBA <laughs> roster is the day that hell, hell you know, takes over the earth or whatever. It's just yeah. not going to happen. You know I got to uh, throw that in there, though, Jonas, you know, because I know that's your boy. I yeah, like Drew Eubanks. Eubanks is better than Chemezi. He's better than Chemezi. No, and I don't argue that because Chemezi does have an outside shot. Chemezi has a lot of athleticism and defensive upside. Drew Eubanks is an undersized center in the NBA at only 6'9". And he has no versatility outside of a, of a lob shot. He can lob uh, a hook shot and he can um, dunk the basketball. And that's really all he has going for you. He has a high motor, but Chemezi has so much more upside, which is one of those things that the Spurs themselves have to consider going into this year. So uh, going into this draft, what I don't want to see is another 6-9, you know, 3-4 hybrid. I don't want to see another guard. So you're like, okay, well, what, what do you want to see then? I want to see another big man. So Ben, I would turn. Uh, that's when I would turn it to somebody who college basketball is their thing, and I'd say, what is the best big man I can get in this draft um, that is going to help space the floor? Because O-B. we've already talked. Ob. <laughs> but he's only he's only six nine. I know that's weird to say, but he's only six nine. I understand that fits as a modern five. Um, the way that the NBA is changing, it's becoming less about length and less about size. But there's a reason Jakob Pertl is my favorite basketball player on this team right now because of the length that he provides, the nastiness he provides. I love a great post game. If we really want to get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge, we're going to have to replace him. And so that's when the conversation always comes. Well, let's trade LaMarcus. Okay, well, what are you going to bring in that's going to fill that? I'd like to do that during the draft. And if we want to get rid of LaMarcus after that point, let's do it. So then I turn it to the college basketball tables and I say, what do I need to do to get who I need? Big man, give me 6'11 and larger. Is he available at 10? And does it make sense for the Spurs themselves to trade down and still acquire the talent they're looking for? Yeah, so we're going right, to go ahead. So let me, I'll hit you with two situations here real quick. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. We're going to, if you want to talk about trading up, if, if this Golden State thing is real, they want to trade back. You want to trade up to Golden State. Golden State wants a guy like James Wiseman. James Wiseman, seven feet tall. I think he's 240, 250. He moves really well. He's fluid. He can space the floor for you. All right. He's a decent shooter. That's easy enough to work on. But he's a fluid athlete. He can get up and down the court, runs like a gazelle. No issues there. Can play defense, all that stuff. Has the length you're looking for. That guy's a top three, top five pick. 
if you want if you want to I would say if you're going to move up if the Spurs are going to move up in the draft and try and get that top pick top two pick whatever it ends up being from the Warriors you know and you want to trade LaMarcus Aldridge and whatever else you got to do to make the deal you know not not lopsided or work salary cap wise whatever it is you know James Wiseman is your guy now if you want to if you want you got me a little off guard here, but if you want to move back, there are options for guys. If you want to move back, I mean, there's if I don't remember if he's actually declared or not, but a guy like Demias Quetta for Utah State, he declared last year and didn't uh, didn't end up staying. Um, he he could be an option. Uh, Vernon Carey later in the draft, he's six ten, two sixty five, great post work, good rim protector, not terribly explosive, but a guy who can help you out and he can space the floor a bit. He's becoming a better three point shooter. Uh, another, this guy a little, not as heavy. He's also six ten, but he, Jalen Smith, he's, he's long, he's wiry. Uh, he has gotten stronger since he's been at Maryland. He, he is much more explosive than carry gets off the floor, shoots the three really well. Um, there's, there's not a lot of terribly tall guys. If you're going to trade back one dude, I actually really like, is Zeke Naji out of Arizona, 6'11", 240, another fluid athlete, has been extending his range at Arizona, would probably actually have better numbers if his guards weren't so bad this year. I mean, Nico Mannion, he had moments, but he he struggled this year, and they were playing with basically their seven or eight core guys were, were guys that were first-time players in that program whether they were freshmen or some sort of transfer so you know they didn't really mesh the way people thought they would so those are some guys to consider there's really not many really big dudes that you want in this draft that are that fit your description um i mean if you want just a large mountain of a human being who is going to clog up your middle yudoka azabuki can be had in the second round out of Kansas. He's seven feet. He's like 270. You're, and, and he's lost weight since he got to Kansas. <laughs> so he was a big boy. Okay. But he is much more fluid now. He can move. Uh, maybe one more guy. Again, you can have in the second round a Nick Richard, 6'11, near 250. Um, very comfortable shooting in the mid range right now as he could eventually move out to shoot the three at some point. Yeah, I was going nice. to tell you. Um, I'm down with it. We're going to go ahead and transition here to our our next draft prospect here, and he is actually in some mock drafts. They have R.J. Hampton being picked by the San Antonio Spurs at number eleven. So I don't know how I feel about this one, though, Ben. I mean, you I, should not feel good. I'm not. I'm just like, eh. You, you know, not feel good. He is uh, RJ Hampton played in New Zealand for the NBL, um, the Breakers. That's who it was. The New Zealand yeah, the Breakers. Six uh, five. He's like one seventy. So he's he is very light right now, um, as far as weight goes. And he's not a great shooter yet. He has to tighten up his handles a lot. He's great in transition. He gets out in transition and he gets creative and he can do things in transition, which is awesome. But you know, you would, you would, if you're, if you're going to have him as one of your lead guards, you have to commit to doing that, getting out in transition and running, which I'm not sure the Spurs would do still with the Rudy Gaze and LaMarcus Aldridge's on this roster. So, um, he scares me because I, 
his talent, he his upside, he could be a top ten. But what he's given right now doesn't look like it. And he had kind of the opposite opportunity that LaMelo Ball did, whereas LaMelo Ball got to run everything. He was the guy, you know, playing 30-plus minutes a game. RJ Hampton was playing maybe 15 to 20 minutes a game, uh, did not have the ball in his hands a lot or as much. And, you know, if you have him out there on the floor, he has to be with another guard who can help create and drive the offense. Uh, RJ Hampton is not at the level where he can do that on his own right now. I have to say, though, Ben, some of the comparisons that people have made with R.J. Hampton is comparing him, as far as body type, with somebody like Zach Levine, you know, but doesn't have the shooting proudness of Zach Levine, nor does he have the, I don't know, vertical ability, you know, or athleticism. No. Um, and that's the thing. Is, is Zach that, Levine is rare. Yeah, and you, the thing is, is that you never know, like you stated with R.J. Hampton, if he will develop those skills as far as being able to you know, get a really good mid-range jumper? Is he going to put a three into his arsenal? We really don't know at this point, you know? So uh, to me, it's, well, it's just, People get know. all excited. People get all excited about his highlights. But again, as Ben pointed out, that's it's against lesser competition. He's slashing to the basket and getting there against lesser defenders. You know, if he when he gets into the NBA, even even your nine, eight, ten guys on the on the roster – if you, don't, if you don't have a three-point shot, you don't have a, a mid-range game, you don't have a post-up game, uh, and you don't have elite athleticism, you're not going to make that happen. And, uh, you know, I, I I saw a comparison where he was, he was like, laid up to, like, Dante Exum or somebody like that. And I thought, you know, I, I, I don't buy too much stock into the comparison game because, it, to me, he doesn't have – and that's where I go back to what Ben was saying a minute ago – I I think this is going to be the draft where you have to trust the NCAA guys a little bit more than you're going to trust those that either played, you know, uh, in in a foreign league or or in uh, just as a, a foreign basketball player in general, uh, and only because there hasn't been enough time to go scout him, go put him in a gym, um, go work him out individually, go see what he actually can do. You know, sometimes a player like that will come out and you say, you know, you get him into a gym and they do more than you expected them to. Um, and maybe they 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 don't have flashes of of things like Bennett said. You know, he didn't get the opportunities that he, maybe Lamelo did as being the man. Um, but I just, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's the I don't think he's the player that they need. Yeah, I think the, the good comparison. Is, yeah, I think the comparison that he, we can make with an, RJ is that he's gonna he he can kind of look like Will Barton in the NBA. You know, I don't know if I buy that. But the other the I would say the other issue with RJ Hampton is that. Uh, he had a he had an injury that sidelined him in December, and he didn't play since. No, oh, okay. So we have even less tape to work with, you know. Yeah. If if you had guys over there looking at him, they they would have needed to see him early on, and they would have had to see him often early on, which I'm not sure anybody was. So I, you know, again, we don't know for sure because we we don't we don't get flight plans. We're not we're not crazy college football people who are <laughs> scouting planes when coaches are trying to get signed places, right? We're not doing that for NBA scouts. That's nuts. So um, I, I it, it's hard to say, but our, I, do, I do not feel good about RJ Hampton at 11. That's all I'm going to say. There's, there's two other guys that we're going to talk about that I would feel way better about. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and transition RJ. into that. But let's get Jonas's take. Jonas, what do you know about RJ Hampton? Do you feel comfortable 
with the Spurs selecting him at with the number 11th pick is which they're projected to to you know draft at guys Hampton is all news to me here um so I'm taking I'm taking your word for it it just goes back to that college scouting thing but what, what I say is you know I athleticism stuff all of that just pops out and that's really easy to pop out but as Wesley alluded to earlier we have a lot of athleticism on this roster as it is right now we we really just need consistency um and from what it aka sounds, Bryn Forbes I need more consistency out of your boy Joe we'll we'll, we'll, <laughs> hands, we'll we'll put up hands later on um that's that don't get me sidetracked here but um I, I think that's really what we need and, and RJ Hampton screams none of that just so so why why at that point no thank you yeah, so we're going to transition here. We're going to talk about another prospect. This one's going to be Devin Vassell. So we're going to go ahead and have Ben enlighten us about this uh, University of Dayton uh, pro- prospect. I'm sorry, not University of Dayton. Sorry, I got the wrong video here, man. FSU. There we go. Yes. I want to say we put it in so, there. So full disclaimer. I graduated from Florida, so I have been bred to hate Florida State. But I actually watched several of their games this year because of Vassell and Patrick Williams, and Vassell is great. That is a guy I really like. He is he's six eight. Granted, he is on the light side as well. He's like two, I think he's two hundred pounds, two hundred five or something. So he would have to bulk up as well, but he has the length and he has the athleticism to be a multi-positional defender. He is a really good shooter as it stands right now. I think uh, better shooting uh, in catch-and-shoot situations than he is doing it off the dribble, but um, he can drive it a little bit. He's He was excellent for FSU, and they, they were poised to win the ACC tournament with the way he was playing and with the way Patrick Williams was playing, really, but... Um, Devin Vassell is a guy I really like at 11 as well. Um, and if, if the Spurs have choices there, I'm going to be torn by who they pick because I like really a lot of these guys at 11. Whereas, you know, you get back into the 20s where the Spurs are used to picking, it's kind of slim pickings there, you know, in one sense, in that, you know, you know, all your good players should be going first, but also, you know, maybe there are some fringe second round guys that get taken or, you know, you haven't considered and they get taken with the 20 whatever pick by the Spurs, like what they did last year where they took Keldon Johnson, who was a guy who fell. And it was crazy because, you know, they could have they could have taken him at 19 or 29, whereas I don't think Luca would have lasted to 29. There was there was just too much talk about him uh, going into that draft, not not just from Spurs people, but I, I think nationally he was getting he was getting looked at so um i had 11 devin vassell i would totally be cool with that pick i would i would be pretty excited about that pick and i know it's not jonas's first choice being a wing guy but he does have the length you like and he's got the athleticism and he's a good shooter so i i don't think you lose too much there and i do think you have to consider you know rudy gay not coming back and you're going to need another guy when DeMar DeRozan eventually leaves, whether that be this offseason or the next one. You know, it's a lot of times drafts aren't done with short-term needs in mind. It's 
I guess, depending on how you define it, whether short term be this year or the next two or three years. But, um, you know, a lot of times they're, they're trying to long term view it. And I think he is good in the long term. He is a prospect who uh, maybe he spends a year in the G League, but I do believe he can contribute immediately to this team. Yeah, I I think he can. You know, I think that's the intriguing part about him. Um, but, you know, you also have another person who we're going to talk about as well. And I think it's uh, some of y'all's favorites. But before we do that, let's go ahead and t- uh, let Wesley give us his feedback in regards to Devin. What do you think about him? Yeah, throw up the V already, man. Vessel, Vessel I, could get it, I could get behind him right now. Um, I, I kind of think kind of to what we were talking about you know and, and this this is something jonas this is kind of a segue to you here in a minute uh you know it depends on what the spurs really want to do with Samanich. you know obviously he's he's a size is it is he really going to be like a stretch four in the nba when he's ready um you know Vassell's kind of the same way i mean it's really he's going to be a small forward but it's the nba isn't positional as it as, as it once uh was once was and i kind of almost think that's why the spurs were having problems this year they were trying to play positions in a non-position type NBA, um, and so really, if you're stacking up your um, your length, it's a, it, I don't know that you necessarily have to have more than that one big man down at the at the low post who can block a purdle, who can do the do the dirty work, or you know Lyles or whoever um, can can fill that position, and Aldridge right now can fill that position. So I, I really feel like this guy has. Uh, I, I want to say he shot 42% from three this year, which is pretty solid, pretty salty. Um, you know that uh, there's there's a lot of upside. Uh, he's he's got a good wingspan. I mean, you know, Ben kind of gave you the intangibles. It, it, it's just one of those picks that makes a lot of sense, and it's going to be one of those picks that I think if you come out of this, you would have stole somebody in the draft um, because I'm going to be honest with y'all, the top three or top four of this draft is poison. <laughs> okay, there's there is there is like one or two that are really legitimate. But I'm telling you right now, Wiseman, I'm telling you right now, he and Lamelo and some others are going to be bust because the maturity level isn't there because they're surrounded by people that don't have maturity levels um, to help them be great pros. And I just I think that when you come down to it, you look at a player like Vassell, he's coming from a program. And he was well coached. Uh, he's he, he, again, he had. Um, you know, good running mates there at FSU where he was able to play a good team game but still get his own. Um, and so when you're looking at things like that, you just – he fits. He fits the mode of what the Spurs like. Uh, he also fits what the NBA is like now. That's my thought. All right. And what about you, Jonas? You got any thoughts on him? Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're right, Ben. He falls into that position that I find that we don't really need at, at that guard, you know, guard spot. Um, Wesley, at six six, I don't think that he gives me the length that I'd be looking for at a four. Um, I I see the future for Luca um, more as a stretch five. Again, at six eleven, that is tall for the for the modern version of the NBA, which is why you can run, uh, you know, oftentimes a six nine. Uh, center, you know, Trey Lyles comes in at six nine, and he was our starting center a lot. And our small ball lineup, Rudy Gay, six nine, uh, filled in. Um, you know, when when Pop went with his four guard set, and we talk here with Vassal about adding another guard. Um, what I what stands out is his defensive ability. Um, that is always going to be an upside. Uh, but 
we already deal with so much, I think, in terms of the development and, and what we're talking about, all these guys and why we send them down to the G League, um, when a lot of it just happens to be there's not an opportunity for them to crack the NBA roster, uh, to bring in another 6'6 guard who measures the same statistically as Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker, um, who could be considered steals in both of the last two drafts, um, and how that would impact their development and Vassell's development as far as whether he's going to make it to this actual Spurs or if he's going to spend a year or two up in Austin. Um, I am more in, in, in the immediate now. Let's see Let's see what we can do as far as um, building this team for not this season necessarily, but in the next two years. Um, contract situations, you know, there's just so much to look at. Jerry Weatherspoon is another contract. The Spurs have to look at picking up because he was only a one-year, two-way player contract. So he's already – the Spurs have to make a vote of confidence. So uh, I would anticipate after the year he had in Austin that the Spurs are going to sign him. So then you add another 6-4 guard. Uh, you know, the option's already been picked up on Lonnie. Uh, Jonte just got another contract. So what are we doing at that guard spot? And how many guards can we have out there? Again, I know Pop liked to run his four-guard lineup towards the end of games, but that's not a way, in, um, in my opinion, to consistently win. Uh, of course, we are preparing for life without DeMar DeRozan. So there goes an open spot right there, potentially, um, at the end of the bench, if you have, if you have the opportunity to promote um, Keldon up to a starter or Lonnie up to a starter um, in in place of uh demar Derozan, and of course uh kelvin being a little bit longer at that six uh, at that at that three um that three spot it's just that's what that's what i think we have to look and that's why i'm just any guards even as as much as they show potential defensively i i still have to say it's not a need right now or in the future for the next three years it's not necessarily a need it is as long as they get rid of Bryn Forbes and they replace him with him. Just saying. Don't you badmouth Bryn Forbes because Jonas will put hands on you, man. Here we go. Bryn, Bryn <laughs> Forbes, you done did it. Bryn Forbes, he lacks defensively. So Vassell, that's our, again, automatic upside. Boom, right there. Uh, but at the NBA level, can Vassell continue to, to shoot productively from three and allow that to be his role from three? Uh, uh, is a shoot from three because of course you know um, what he does provide is a little bit more control and athleticism than Bryn, Bryn has. Uh, nobody likes to see Bryn drive towards the basket at all um, so he's really only useful if and when he has a shot. Uh, Bryn is more of a role player so you, if you have a guy like Vassell in two years you can slide Bryn all the way down to the end of the bench where Marco belongs and just bring him in you know, as a streak shooter. And if he gets hot, you leave him in the game because he's hot. But if he's not, you already, you already have somebody to lean back and just say, okay, Bryn, you're done for the night. We'll go back to the other guys. Um, but you don't have to wait two years on Bryn because he's a UFA this summer. He is, and I, but I say that we pick it up. That's, that's my opinion on Bryn is that we pick it up. No, we got to let him go, bro. We got to let him go. If you let him go, it's another situation – I view Bryn and Davis Bertans very similarly. Of course, they're different positions, but they had similar roles. Davis Bertans, let's not, and not to stray too far off the draft conversation here, but Davis Bertans lacked defensively 
especially down the stretch. He disappeared offensively and defensively down the stretch. He said as much um, as well. He, he said he disappeared himself. And yeah. now we come into this, all this last year, everybody is so pissed off that we traded him to make room for Marcus Morris. Really? When we had the opportunity. And, and I that didn't materialize. I, I understand that didn't materialize, but there are yeah. so many people that even said that Davis Bertans was, would have been better on the roster than having Marcus Morris. And I completely oh, disagree with that. Oh, you disagree? Um, I, yeah, I, I think that Marcus Morris would have fit a better need than have a stop, having Davis Bertans, especially when you had Brent Forbes, who was – he's still a 40% um, from three shooter. He can get hot. Um, but he lacks – like Davis, he lacks defensively, and that's where I think Marcus has that advantage. So now, now we're at a position where if if you let Bryn Forbes go and you decide not to pay him, he has a lot of modern NBA potential. Again, you don't play defense, but you can drain it from three. And we're just gonna. Watch Is he gonna go be a starter on another team if we let him go? Unlike Davis Bertans, no, I don't think he's going to be a starter on another team. Davis fit, fit a role really well, but he he is different than Bryn for the fact of his of his position. Davis will be a starter in the G League. <laughs> Davis, <laughs> is a, Davis is a four where Bryn is a two. And that and, and so to have a four that can hit from three like that is a lot different than just having another two that can hit hit, hit a three pointer. So um there's a there's a lot more Bryn's in the NBA than there are Davis's. Yeah. So that's why he wouldn't start. But I think that you, we would have the same outside looking in like we do with Davis and like we do with did for a hot second with Kyle Anderson and Joseph and everybody where you're like, oh, and even the Danny Greens where you're like, oh, we had him at one point. Why did we ever let him go? Hey, Rudy said well, something funny. Rudy said something about your boy Bryn right now. Rudy, oh shout no. out to him. He's watching us it's, on Facebook. He's he going to make Jonas very upset. He says, Bryn Forbes nickname needs to be john cena because we can't ever see him <laughs> you can't see him except for when he's hitting seven three pointers in a row and a half oh my and then, and then the next game proceeds to miss all five of his shots i yeah. get that but he's a streak shooter who's a, who, like i said fits a role you put him all the way at the end of the bench you bring him out you give him a shot and then if he doesn't get hot you just send him back to the we, end of the bench. we can't have That's any Bryn forbes slander here with jonas on the on the on the live stream here's do, so, do, it on, right, so, do it on Twitter. We'll take it to Twitter. But, yes, we'll take but this sound, online Twitter. Yes. Two things real quick. Devin Vassell is closer to 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I don't know if that changes your mind on anything, Jonas, for what it's worth. He would play more of a typical three spot. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, the other thing with Bryn Forbes is there's no, there's no option on his contract. He is straight up UFA this year. Um, so, you know, Spurs... I mean, they guess they technically can match a contract, whatever. But I also don't think the Spurs have the money to persuade him to come back either, whether you want him back or not. That's I, you know, that's re- regardless of how you feel about him. I actually don't think the Spurs have the money because another team will pay back. him. They're going to want his services. Somebody, somebody is going to overpay for him, and he's not going to be able to pass that money up. I think personally, it's not. This isn't Bryn Forbes slander. I want to make that clear. This is not Bryn Forbes slander. <laughs> I got you. I got you. This is. I think. I think that's just the reality of how this the the free agency is going to go, especially with like no, with no big name free agents out there available right now. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get back on track, and let's talk about our last prospect here, 
and that will be Tyrese Halliburton. I know that you all have been wanting to talk about him, so we're going to go ahead and bring in his footage here. So, Ben, I know that you kind of like this guy, and let us know why. Um, he's kind of your prototypical combo guard kind of guy. And, you know, if you look at the roster, depending, again, this is kind of dependent on how the G League guys get moved around if they get moved up. Because if the G League guys come up, then, you know, Tyrese Halliburton becomes very redundant. Uh, but he's he's six five. He's very long. Another good defender. He is also a good shooter. He's got. If you watch his highlight tapes of him shooting, it's it's kind of like a weird hitch in his shot, but it works for him. He shoots. He still shoots at a really high clip. And he, more often than not, he was the guy creating offense for Iowa State this past season. And so you you can kind of throw him out there, and you can trust him to run an offense for your team. So I think if you if you want a guy who is who is long, he's got he he's got a good float game, and he's got that kind of in between game where you know he, he's not necessarily strong enough to really get to the rim, but he can kind of stop and pop his shot right before he gets there, or right as he gets into the paint, and he's fairly consistent there, and he's 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 good with both hands around the rim. He's fairly good, so I think. You know, again, this is him. I'm high on him, depending on how the guard situation plays out with the Spurs this year. Because if if yeah. they end up for whatever reason, if they end up like you know not trusting Lonnie or they don't think Keldon's ready, or you know wh- whatever it is, and and there's roster spots available because Bryn is gone and because maybe Demar is gone, then. I think you have to consider him, and and that's one reason I like him. He's kind of, he would be a bit of an insurance policy. I like him more than R.J. Hampton. I got to tell you. Yes, that. yes. For I, sure. I liked him. The only thing is, is that he does have that awkward release when he shoots from beyond the arc. It's kind of strange, but he can also be tweaked. You know. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, he's still. I think he's still shot above. 30, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but he definitely shot above 35% from three despite the mechanical issue with his shot. Yeah, I, I like this young man. I think he would fit in really, really well here with the San Antonio Spurs. He's kind of that uh, stereotypical player that you want, somebody who's smart, has a good basketball IQ, and, of course, he can play great defense as well. He's a great defensive player, so... I think he would fit in great here. Of course, he's going to have to see at least a season over in the G League, which will just uh, help him develop his game even further. But I, I really like him, man. I think if he's available, the Spurs should pull the, t- the trigger and get him. You know, I, I hate to say it, Wesley, but I doubt if Obi is going to drop all the way down to 11 or 10. Obi, Obi. <laughs> hey, uh, while we're at it, the uh, a Woj bomb broke a minute ago, and then it was followed up. Uh, CBS uh, Sports is reporting this as well that the uh, draft lottery has been postponed. Um, so it's kind of ironic. We're talking about you know what the lottery positions are going to be, but uh, the ping pong balls definitely are not going to be uh, counted up for a little bit. Uh, I'll be honest speaking. with you, Wesley. I heard it first through Benjamin Bornstein. He kind That's of right. sent us that message in uh, in the Facebook chat as we're doing the the live stream. Go. So I, breaking news, it was Jeff, it was uh, Ben who actually broke the news to us. It was a Ben bomb. I ben bomb. There you hey. go. I like that. Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, the, the center here about, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I, I like his game. I don't love his game. Um, 
I do think that oh, he you're has in love with Obi. That's why you want Obi. Well, I, I think with Tyrese, he, it's because he's again. This is going to steal a little bit of what you know. What uh, I know, uh, Jonas has been saying a little bit is that he's at a position that literally the Spurs have kind of a log jam in. Um, in you know, you have a good number of those guys who are the six four, six five range. Um, the the one thing that I the one thing that I I know is is having watched the Big 12 a lot, and I watched, because of my Red Raiders, I watched the Big 12 a lot. And I will tell you this, he has struggled against elite players at times um, in, in the Big 12. Now, what did not struggle was his defense. He has the ability, I think, really, of, of all the things, if, he, if, it's, if it's intangibles, it's not his shot making that's going to be, I think, his calling card. I think he's going to be a, a heck of a defender, an elite level defender in the uh, in the NBA. Um, but one of the things that I, that I noticed about with his shot, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, um, of like a Kenny Smith type of shot. You know, Kenny always had kind of a sideways spin on the ball and, and Tyrese doesn't necessarily have that, but it's kind of a knuckleball the way he shoots at the release is awkward. He's, you know, the way he, he, uh, it's just, it's just a, a, a unique form, but we saw even in our own backyard, a Tony Parker who really couldn't shoot anywhere, uh, on the floor develop with Chip England. If there's ever going to be a guy who the Spurs could take in and work with him, and Chip could could make him uh, a more fluid shooter. Of course, I think that part of his game would 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 be uh, just as strong, if not stronger. After that, I just to me, I just don't know if that's what they need. To me, going by what Jonas had said earlier too, I feel like the Spurs really need somebody who is either a small forward type, um, or that can be that small forward power forward hybrid, or some somebody who's a big man that's got. You know that stretch four, you know a stretch five ability, who is ready to play right now. And it's it's that's nothing against Tyrese. I think he's a fantastic player. And you know if the Spurs picked him, I wouldn't be disappointed at all. But uh, I just kind of feel like after watching Big Twelve, he doesn't inspire me as much as my boy Obi. Obi, <laughs> of course, of course. What about you, Jonas? You got any thoughts? Actually, Joe, I do, and I'm, I'm glad that Wesley, you, you're, you're kind of like said you're in my camp there a little bit as of the needs. Uh, but Joe, if you can um, on our live stream pull up that strengths again for Tyrese, I'd appreciate it. I have it on One right now for you. It says he's a solid in between floater runner uh, as far as his game goes. The one I want to point to here is the IQ. And so if he it really is that strong combo guard, um, as you alluded to, uh, Ben, in your take, that I think is something different than what the Spurs have in their logjam at the guard position. Um, because a lot, we have a lot of twos, but we don't have anybody that can really run that offense. And even at the G League level, um, they relied a lot on Galen Robinson and Tevin King, and they made the trade with the uh, Rockets organization for Angel Rodriguez. Uh, all these names are non-Spurs draft picks, right? Mm. Um, so when you look at preparing for that next level, and I know a lot of people, uh, the conversation on Spurs Twitter was like, oh, well, Quindary can come up and run the point. Quinn is not a one guard. They're not even using him at the one in, in the G League. They've been running him at the two. So he's not even learning how to run the offense there. So if if the basketball IQ is there, the defensive ability is there, then I think that that's somebody you might take at that true combo. That allows you because that looks to me more like a Derek White, right? Because we have Derek White and Dejounte at the next level, 
But if, and, and the whole question as to why can't we have them both on the court at the same time is because what do you do in that second unit? Who's going to run the offense? That's why you need to have Derek on the coming off the bench. So if you have another combo guard that can truly do that and run the offense, has a great IQ, can pass and distribute the ball, then that fits a need that the, I think the Spurs really have. And yes, even if he has to sit in the G League for a year to develop and, and become consistently familiar with that kind of offense and that kind of play style, <coughs> that would be phenomenal because then you really open up the flexibility for um, – for the, for the San Antonio Spurs uh, within two years to really play with their guards and put a better defensive front out there, whether it's the first unit, the second <laughs> unit, um, and, and then at the end of game, if DeJounte finds himself into foul trouble or if Derek isn't getting hot, you have a third true combo guard that can run that offense. Phenomenal. Yeah, so what we're going to wind up doing here is <clears throat> we're going to start bringing the show to a close because we've been on here for quite some time. As all of us had a lot to say, especially listening to Ben. Uh, he's a master when it comes to prospects. He has a whole bag of them. <laughs> you don't like one, he has 10 more for you. What do you, what do you want? <laughs> trying to dish it out here, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. So before we go ahead and end the stream, let's go ahead and go around the horn here and have you guys uh, plug yourself so people know where to find you on social media. We'll start with you, Ben. All right. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. You can find plenty of my stuff at Project Spurs, doing a little bit of writing for lineups as well, uh, more NBA draft uh, prospect and prep. So, uh, you know, all your all your uh, NBA draft needs, I got you. Yeah, and uh, Wesley, where can they find you and talk with you about anything and everything that has to do with the world of sports and also pop culture? Yeah, at Wesley Perg, that's my Twitter handle. But, I, you know, and I just want to say this before we sign off. Uh, big shout out to our frontline workers. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's a doctor and some friends that are nurses. And what, what you all do out there is beyond anything else. I mean, the volunteers, those people that are working in, in great places, essential places like the food bank, uh, that are handing out curbside meals at schools and those kinds of things. Um, I know we get a chance to, to break away and talk some sports, which is needed. And it's a needed thing to, to give us some some respite from what's going on in the world, but uh, big kudos to all of us out there in the world and, and uh, prayers for safety and for anybody afflicted by this horrible sickness. Yeah. Little known fact, my wife is a nurse, so she's works for Methodist here locally here in San Antonio. So she's one of the front frontline workers that's out there every day doing her thing. So, you know, give props to all the nurses and doctors that are out there on the front lines. Y'all do a great job. And Jonas, where can they reach you on social media? Um, at Jark Clonus, J-A-R-K-C-L-O-N-A-S, um, at Jark Clonus on Twitter. I will take all your hot takes on Bryn Forbes. Come at me, bro, because I will defend him. Uh, you make sure you all come at Jonas hard with your Bryn Forbes hate. Because I will defend him to the point where it might not even seem reasonable anymore. Um, a lot of block of purtle love, um, just because... How do you not love a, a seven foot one, two hundred and sixty pound Austrian guy with with just a fire? Um, and and uh, he 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 really, in my opinion, lightens up the Spurs um, personality just a lot. But brings it all every day on the court. Uh, of course, NFL draft just wrapped up, so I'm really excited about my Cleveland Browns and what their potential are. So if you want to holler at me there, um, and then of course with Project Spurs Network. Um, 
haven't had anything out recently. Just starting to get back to the keyboard um, on your Austin Spurs. Um, everything going on up there, of course. They, they just had a it. watch party yesterday with the Austin Spurs. They, they did just have a watch party in addition to the um, to the coffee gang on the Spurs YouTube channel. They've been doing the growing grounds, really highlighting what that process looks like up there. And they had uh, R.C. Buford was their guest last night um, for a Q&A afterwards. And uh, last week after their uh, season finale, episode four of their growing grounds, they had Coach Blake Ahern um, talking a little bit deeper on um, what – that whole process is like and what they try to do really in Austin. And, and that's what I think really wraps up this draft talk really well because um, they're not just drafting for San Antonio. They're drafting for the Spurs uh, in Austin. And, of course, as you alluded to, Ben, you know, not just this year plug-and-play players, but two, three years down the road. So at Jark Clonus on Twitter, holler at me with it all. Yeah, so you can get a hold of me too, you know. I'm a Two Shots podcast on Twitter. And that's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S podcast. And I like to talk about sports, you know, MLB, football, everything. In between, of course, pop culture. We get a heavy dose of pop culture as of late because everybody's sitting at home streaming movies, you know. There's only so many movies you can watch. <coughs> Little known fact, though, we're going to have to round up the group here. Uh, and I got to pull out, a, put a call to action out there because it is going to be May the 4th coming on Monday. And our, our good buddy, Jeff Garcia, has not seen the last installment of the new franchise, you know, the new uh, the new trilogy. So we I made it a point when I got on Locked on Spurs, told him we're going to have to have a watch party. Uh, so we're going to do that uh, probably sometime next week. I got to get with him and I'll get with you guys. But we're going to watch this live with Jeff, and that's going to be a lot of fun. His hate is strong. It's my for favorite that. Star Wars movie. It's my favorite one. I'm telling you. I'm honest. God, Wesley, that the the, the bar has not been that. set high, man. <laughs> hey, I I just is like like Jonas with Bryn Forbes. I didn't listen to any of the hate. I judged it as a standalone movie. I liked the movie. You hey, lost me. At, I hear the hate. I so many plot holes. <laughs> you lost <laughs> me with horses in space, bro. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that's Joe. That's not even the beginning of issues, but. Um, I'm, I would actually watch that just to hear Jeff's commentary on the movie. Exactly, that's going to be gold, man. We gotta, we gotta sit up, you know, pull up a chair, get your favorite adult beverage, and let Jeff just go at it. I, I say that he'll last maybe five, six minutes before he's out. So that'll be I'll fun. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Yeah, the over. It you can went, take the over. The under, Ben. I take the over, but not I, I can tell you the exact point where he's going to be out. He's going to be out when Ray shoots lightning bolts out of her hands. That's where he's going to be out. Jonas hasn't seen it. You're giving away spoilers, bro. You're giving away spoilers, man. What's up? (laughs) Uh, Wesley's over here ruining it for you, man. That totally didn't happen at all in the movie. No, 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 no. no. It was an Ewok that had the lightning coming out of his hands. That's what it was. That's what it was. Y'all are killing me. It was an Ewok. An Ewok is the new Sith. The Sith Lord, you know. <laughs> that would be that would be a show that I would watch. I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. But we digress oh. here, so we're gonna go ahead and end the show on that note. So make sure you go ahead and follow us on social media. Everybody here as well, you know, Ben and Wesley and Jonas, and also make sure you go and follow our good friend Jeff Garcia, and also make sure you go and follow our other good friend here. 
Rudy Campos Jr., he's putting out some good stuff, and he's going to be covering the NBA draft coming up here, even though it's been postponed, but it's going to happen eventually. And when it does, you make sure you go ahead and follow uh, Rudy and see all the good stuff that they got cranking out over there. So for Jonas Clark and Wesley Perkins and Benjamin Bornstein, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for listening and watching another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace.